Hi, I'm Johnny Wilkinson. As a former England rugby player and as someone fascinated by potential, my health and wellness is hugely important to me. That's why I've developed my very own kombucha drinks, Number One Living. They're full of bacterial life cultures designed for a happy and healthy gut. Grab yours in Holland and Barrett stores and online at hollandandbarrett.com. I'm Dr. Gemma Newman, also known as the Plant Power Doctor, and I'm your host for the Wellness Edit with Holland and Barrett. In this episode, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by the legendary Johnny Wilkinson. Now, for some of you who may not know who he is, he is one of the most decorated and recognisable faces of rugby history. Uh, he's a former rugby union player. He famously won a drop goal in 2003 at the Rugby World Cup final. And in 2016, he was inducted into the World Rugby Hall of Fame. He is a motivational speaker. He's a mental health advocate and he is an all-round amazing person. Welcome, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What an intro. <laughs> a pleasure to be here. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> it's interesting, actually, though, because I was reflecting on the intro beforehand. And I know that how we define ourselves in in sort of superficial conversation is quite different sometimes from how we define ourselves internally. And I was thinking about your new podcast as well, because uh, your podcast is called I Am. And it really got me thinking, how would you define yourself? Because you heard my intro and and that's, I think, a really exciting way to describe your legacy. But is that how you feel about you and how you would define you? Probably not because, well, I mean, definitely not because the the podcast I am is really about just that. I am. What belongs to I am without the next bit you add? Because everyone... I think goes to the next bit, like you said, in conversation, you need a label, you need a place to come from in order to connect to someone else. You need to establish who am I? So we can have a chat with who you are. But it's so strange that when you define who you are, you also define who they are. So you never get the proper chat you're after. It's just an image chatting to an image. And I think I spent a lot of time doing that, hugely invested in what I do for my identity, hugely invested in my achievements, uh, in what other people think of me, all those kind of things, which just essentially didn't belong to me and the ultimate fundamental state of I am out of which everything else comes. It's not like the smallest part that you add bits to. It's the all engrossing part out of which everything else comes. And so if you ask me to give you a definition of who I am, it'll come out of exactly how I'm feeling now. So people often ask me about the drop goal you mentioned. Tell us about that drop goal. And I tell it differently every time, completely differently, just because I tell it according to how I am now, who I think I am, how I'm feeling. But most of the time, I'm kind of stepping back from that who I am stuff. I'm not really interested in the limitation that belongs to that idea you know, and often it's physical, which is where a lot of the health stuff come from. You know, you think you, I'm just this body and this mind, or it's in this title, you know, that I'm a so-and-so, a, a doctor of this or this or this. And in the end, it, it just gets in the way of having something really meaningful, whether it's an engagement in activity or whether it's a relationship or a conversation with someone else. So yeah, it's funny. I used to really buy into it. And now I'm kind of, I feel like I'm, I'm wandering through life with goals and ambitions, but in a far more effortless and beautiful way. But you know, it, it comes with so many challenges all the time. Yeah, that's interesting because you talk about goals and ambitions, but that it is also potentially effortless. And I think a lot of us strive so hard to achieve things to make us feel as though we're worth something. 
Do you think that part of that comes from the fact that you have already achieved success? So it's like you can just sit back and relax and think, well, I'm, I am Johnny Wilkinson. So <laughs> I don't need to worry anymore about all of this stuff. <laughs> it, it, it's a nice idea. But I mean, all you have to do is go on holiday in the summer to realize that the first few days feel pretty awesome. And after that, everything creeps back in. The same idea behind Christmas Day and Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve's beautiful. <laughs> Christmas Day is is like what everyone says, so stressful. And, and for even for the children, you kind of, after the morning, you're a bit like, oh, the come down is kicking in. That's the point that doesn't go away, whether it's a World Cup final, an extra time and you kick the winning goal, or whether it's I finished my career with two huge victories that never been done before, before we have for a club in France. And you think, well, this will be it. It's not, neither's retirement. The, the crazy thing is that we're, everyone is so talking about living in the now and so desperate to find the now, but the very concept of how to do that is putting the now in the future in our imagination. And it's, it's madness to think that we're going to somehow get to our now and that now is irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, this here and now. And I think it's a funny one you mentioned about the worthiness and the achieving. I was hugely part of that in that I felt like what was missing was the fact that I needed to feel a sense of importance so I could measure up in society. And so you think, well, if I get some, some, some stuff next to my name, if my name gets recognized here, yeah, that'll be it. But ultimately what you miss in that respect is you start playing a game which takes away your uniqueness and takes away your unique gift. And that unique gift is not something you own. So if you think you know what your gift is, it's not your gift. It's standing in the way of your gift. And I think for me, my gift was always when I, set the conditions to be open to the unknown, to be happy, to be vulnerable, and to be in a state of curiosity and, and awe and, and exploration. Things arise. You can't plan them. If you're planning what your potential is, if you're planning to feel inspired, if you're planning to feel alive, it's just not. And that's the point of what you're saying is we're all planning to feel alive at some point, but it comes out of what we already know. And if we already knew how to be alive, we'd be feeling it now. We don't know and we're using what we what we what we think we know we're using it to make things happen and it's not working anyway so why is it going to work in the future and i think this is you know it's, it's hugely powerful but as with all these things it comes from allowing and accepting and letting go and, and exploring um you know nobody ever gets to their potential through controlling you know you don't get somewhere new by controlling your way there you just get to what you know already yeah that's very true Allowing and accepting. Surrender, I suppose, is another word for it. Yeah. I was listening to you talk on another interview and I was researching the I Am podcast and I came across a phrase which was originally stated by an American sociologist called Charles Horton Cooley. And he said, I am not what I think I am. I am not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that really struck me because, you know, that search for significance, that search for meaning, quite often we will almost put it upon other people to tell us what we think they think we're worth. So you know, even in conversations or in our day-to-day -day actions or at work or with our family, we act in accordance with how we think they think we should yeah. be and that's Definitely. quite hard to get away from because i think as humans you know we are wired to want to belong and we are wired to want 
to feel part of something bigger and connected to other people. So how is it, do you think, I mean, in your life, how has this sort of panned out for you? Because you initially, it sounds like with 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 all of the accolades and achievements, there was a certain amount of stress to that because you were always striving and searching for the next big thing and thinking, is this going to make me good enough? Is this going to make me good enough? How is it, can we reconcile that that need for belonging and acceptance with that need for just being? For me, it's powerful through how we all grow up looking for that validation, whether it's a look in someone's eyes as you're speaking, whether it's someone taking interest, someone taking notes, someone reacting the way that you feel that you want them to react, laughing at what you say or, or, or hugging you at a certain time or, you know, whatever it be, you know, in your friendships, people calling you back, all these kind of things that we used as an affirmation of or a confirmation of, of my worth and belonging. And obviously when these things don't happen, we lose that sense of worth. But also when they happen the other way, we almost really become damaged by it. But of course, the huge part of all this is that it's all to do with understanding and getting interested in, like I said, for me, that I am journey. Who am I and what am I? But taking it to every level it wants to go and just not allowing yourself to be satisfied with an answer because that answer is the end of the search. And where there's the end of the search, there begins the relative existence. Because whatever you come up with, you're now going to relate that to everything around you. But if you never come up with an answer, everything else gets included as part of you, not something you compare to or reference yourself against. And that's this space of curiosity and, and I guess, just constant investigation and exploration. And in a way, it's kind of that same journey you're talking about in terms of needing to achieve and find this space of kind of success or whatever it is versus the internal experience of the external being, you know, whatever the outcome is and what people think, but the internal experience of being in touch with passion and excitement and finding through your passion and excitement, your calling, your purpose. And it's this whole heart versus mind idea. The mind will tell you from information gathered already, it will deduce, it'll use logic intellectually to come up with what your purpose should be according to all this information. But actually, purpose and calling is a constantly arising now thing. It's not something that belongs to the old you. You have a calling right now. And obviously, for me, rugby in for a certain amount of time was my calling. Now, I fought it hard from a mind perspective in terms of what it should be and how I should look and what I should say and what I should do and this and that and what it, all this means. But actually from a passion side, where there was excitement, I knew this was what I was supposed to be doing. I knew I was supposed to be in that space. It was my job. It was my calling. It was my service to the world for a certain amount of time until it wasn't. And then when it wasn't, you open up and already other things start to excite you, where your passion is, where you find where, and it doesn't have to be something mind-bogglingly huge. People often say, I, I don't know what my, my passion is, what, my, what I'm really into, what my purpose is. It's kind of like, but it's already there in small parts. And as you open up, it, those small parts unfold, I think, and unravel and gather momentum and expand into bigger, bigger things. So for when I was a kid, I just loved playing with a rugby ball. That's all I wanted to do. I didn't care about any of this. And obviously then opportunities arise. Oh, you can join this team. I've joined this team. What do I want to do now? I want to see how good I can be with this ball. Right, what does this end up? Oh, it was my service to do. And now maybe it's part of my service to talk about what I want to talk about now because I'm really passionate and excited about it. 
but it doesn't matter if someone else tells me what you're saying is rubbish and I don't enjoy it and, and you yeah, this, this, this. If that affects my passion, that's a big issue. But if I devote myself to my passion and my dreaming, allowing it to go where it wants to go, exploring, then I get to live my own life and find out who I'm supposed to be for this lifetime. But the danger is, is that you can, you can allow yourself to be decided and defined, as, as you mentioned at the beginning, and determined by everything else around you. But everything else around you is following a certain direction. We can see it. We speak about it as calling it society or culture or whatever. We kind of see where that's going. You only have to look at the general trends to realize that, yeah, in some ways, there's a large push in the, in the direction of something which isn't going anywhere inclusive. It's not bringing about together. It's more divisive. It's more um, sort of conflicting. It's all these kind of things. But actually, there's a huge push also where people are willing to just say, "This is me right now. This is how I feel, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow it." And you know, and we're gonna help each other to find those passions and to, you know, to, to devote ourselves to what excites us because it's in that that's the calling. You know, what is it I'm for, not what am I against? What am I for? I love that, Johnny. What am I for? I absolutely love that. And I think we see so much of that playing out on social media as well. So much negativity and judgment. And it, it doesn't come from a good place. Oh, it's exhausting even to watch it. <laughs> but I think you're right. We do need to come from a place of finding our passions. And I, I think I'd love to sort of separate that into two different things and explore it with you. Because on the one hand, you mentioned, you know, your childhood passion and excitement was in playing rugby and that obviously developed into a really fantastic career in doing that was there a stage at which you lost passion for that which you had given the journey that you went through with the pressure that you felt or was it always there but you just kind of it became overtaken with other things it was always there my passion and I knew this because it wouldn't let me move away no matter what no matter all these other things that came up my passion would not let me go somewhere else and as much as I can talk about saying oh it would have done me so much good to have a year out when I had four years of injury you know after that first year I could have done with just saying you know that's it for a year get away ground myself and come I, my passion was too strong right and I think this part of what we're talking about in that acceptance area is that we accept that things are now and things were as they're meant to be and we are how we're meant to be. And this whole idea about wanting to change that is, is, is madness in some way, because, you know, it comes from a, like I said, a, a well-meaning place of wanting to have things the way you want them and wanting things to be great for everyone around you. But certainly the way that I felt about my rugby career was that I did what I did because it's how I was. And yeah. that's also part of my calling to go through that. And now people, if I'd have been how I am now back then, I might've had a different relationship with that challenge. But I wasn't supposed to. And people say, oh, would you be able to play the way you did if you were like this now, back then? And the answer is, I was never supposed to be. And if I was, I'd have had an amazing career like this. It would have looked different. Who knows? But the point is, I wasn't supposed to be. And to have the confidence to say that how I am now is how I'm supposed to be, but where I go next is not determined. And in order to explore that space, there has to be like I said, that devotion to the I am, to what's in me. And what that does is it doesn't negate what's happening around you, but it just shifts the, the, the dial of attention and energy to what's important to you. And the subtlety of awareness, which is the other one that I think is so big in all of this, is that you become more aware. And as you become more aware, I think you become more 
open to seeing that you can respond in different ways. And like I said, following your excitement and passion sounds like a funny one when you're really struggling. And I have numerous crises moments all the time, um, some bigger than others. But in those moments when you're in crisis, saying, well, just follow your highest excitement in this moment is tough because <laughs> then nothing looks exciting. Yeah. At the very mention of the word exciting by someone makes you feel like they're the most unfeeling person to talk about excitement when you're in this space. But in that space, there's allowing. Mm. And that allowing leads to excitement at some level. But fighting never opens up to that excitement. That's what I found in my rugby career is when I devoted myself to the fight, to the need to assert myself, to dominate, to, to feel like you said a belonging or whatever, I didn't reveal any excitement. It, it created this cycle of survival mm. where I just had to get through the next game because I felt like I was staving off humiliation. That area what I call humiliation, which is essentially where you say, I cannot respond according to how I want to be. If that happens, I can only react and I'm, and I'm scared of how I react. Therefore, I cannot go there. It doesn't mean I want to go there, but it means that if I open up to realizing that what I've found about myself is that I'm always perfectly equipped for my now. Yeah. I've never found myself lacking in my now. I found myself lacking when I try and live in the past. I find myself hugely lacking when I try and live in the future. But when I'm living purely here and now, I'm never lacking. I'm always equipped. And that's an amazingly powerful thing to understand that really makes sense when you're in a changing room two minutes before a game and you are trying to live in the future and you are petrified, so insecure, so fragile, so unknown. And yet when the whistle goes and you connect to your now by letting go of the what ifs either way, past or future, you realize that I have whatever I need and that whatever happens is right for me. Mm. Whether we win or lose, you kind of go, yeah, you're looking back. When you look back at the path of your life, if you continue to move on with curiosity, any moment you do look back, you see it's a perfect straight line. But when you're trying to look back at it whilst you're trying to live now, it looks like a wavy line that's gone in all kinds of terrible directions. But I know that for me, when I'm in that space of accepting and allowing, you look back and, and you just say, yeah. Of course, that's how it's been. Yeah, that's so powerful. I feel like I am um, being witness to your divinity shining through you as you speak. Honestly, I feel like you're channeling something really special. And it's making me feel quite emotional, if I'm honest, because I see you and I really see it. Yeah, do you know what? I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. During that last little part of the conversation, I can, something's changed in me in that, I can, like you said, I can sense something from that. And and I think this is like such a powerful thing when you speak to people where you're interested, not in, you know, what we can get from this, but you just say, wow, here's an opportunity that you kind of realize that, you know, you're, you're both ser serving each other and, yeah. and you kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling things. I'm kind of going, okay. I, I, but as soon as you think, right, I need to know what it is I'm getting from this. And you're like, stop. I think, you know, we're really talking about the things that matter. I remember, hearing you say that all we are is now with memories and imagination hmm. on either side. So I, I really, really resonated with that because I think in a way it's very freeing because it allows us to create, if we wish to, a new story or a, an imagination about the things that we've already experienced and how they can best serve us in the now. Yeah. And I'd love to hear you talk a bit more about that with your perspective because you had what many young boys dream of at a very young age and you didn't feel how you expected to feel when you got that thing. 
And so I'd love to hear you just talk around your perspectives on on that moment, how it felt and what you what you discovered in that, because loads of people in this world think that they will be fulfilled if X, Y and Z happens, when X, Y and Z happens. Jim Carrey said as well, I remember reading this. I think you probably know what I'm going to say. He said, I'm paraphrasing, um, but he said that he really hopes everybody gets everything they ever dreamed of because then they would discover that it's not actually what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on all that? Coming into that mix again about ambitions and passions and callings, they're going to be about creating something. You know, we are creative beings. We're already creating our own realities and within those realities, yeah, we're exploring, we're creating, we're exploring that creative drive within us, the unique way of the way we want things. And, and that's so, so kind of powerful, but it's what we create is not the point. It's the creativity that's the point. So when we attach to what we create, we lose the creativity. But that idea for me is like going into a car garage and and you can buy any any of these infinite cars and it feels like oh i could have anything and they're also amazing and wow and then you choose one you say this is perfect and you drive it out the garage and you you spend your money on it you drive it out the garage and as soon as you're driving away you think it's great but i i preferred it when i was still in the showroom like christmas eve christmas eve christmas day perfect exactly it's it's the fact is is that i'm still a work in progress and i'm still I can be anything. I can be anything. And that's the childlike system. But the problem is, is we get the, what we think we are. And then for some reason, because of those, you mentioned memories with those memories comes an emotional attachment of how it was experienced at the time. And unless we challenge that and release those emotions, it remains fairly solid, solidified within us. And it can form like this past journey to how we got here. But when those emotions are released, the past is released and there's no way you got here and therefore there's no way you have to go from here and it's that liberational side idea but we get the we get the car and we drive it around for a bit and it stops looking as good as we think it should against other people's cars who are getting their new cars and so you start trying to add bits to it and but it's you know, when you sit in it you still it doesn't matter what you do to the outside you sit in it and it just feels not you anymore and i think realizing that we, we never leave that car garage and if we do it's only a test drive and our pockets are never empty. We get to choose who you want to be, how you want to be in every new moment. And I think that feeling for me is, is the creative process is that you can't be me who I think I am and be creative. Creativity isn't, doesn't belong to who we think we are. It comes through who we are. Uh, it comes mm. through who we think we are as who we really are. And you just got to open up who we think we are to get more creativity through. Yeah, I see that. I think it's just from my point on that is when you when you when you have an idea of who you are and you become an individual, you think you own creativity. You think you own spontaneity or inspiration. It's ludicrous. As soon as you come to a fixed idea, you're at a dead end. Inspiration is something new that comes from nowhere. Creativity is something you haven't been through. It's it's a, it's, a, it's an unfolding and therefore it's coming from bigger than you. And I think respecting that is, is a big way of, of understanding how to channel it is just to say, I have to get out of my own way here yeah. a little bit. If I want to have some real depth of meaning and understanding and, and, and expression in life, I've got to get out of the way of it. Like you said, with the ego, I've got to stop trying to own it, take credit for it or, or use it to somehow bring about future happiness. I've got to realize is that opening to it is the happiness that I'm after. Yeah. Thank you, Johnny.
my mind was was uh, wondering when you were talking about the car garage. <laughs> Where was I, I going? I, <laughs> what well, was I talking way, about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you know what, my head goes to when you when you talk about car garages and picking one and making a commitment and then it not being as shiny and you try yeah. and add new things. You could relate that to relationships, couldn't you? Relate it to absolutely everything. Exactly. Yeah. So if somebody, <laughs> if you stay in the car garage, does that mean you stay on Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, but you know what? It's, it's, it's really, it's cool you say that, but the car garage, the car garage, I'm going to, I'm going to put into that's now. Right. <laughs> that's now. And so therefore, I think it's brilliant in, in relationships that when you live with people and you're connected to people, it's so easy to form a story yeah. because you do see stuff that reminds you of stuff and you form opinions and ideas. But I, I remember watching this episode of, of um, and I, I love the, absolutely love the guy. And I watched the episode of, of Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer. Now this is an interesting sort of like direction to go on when you're talking about relationships, but it was, he was talking about this dog that was, that was staying in this office with these people. And they said, you know, it's such a, lovely dog but he's so angry and he just keeps snapping at us every time we walk and they told the story about how the dog had been through this really tough traumatic kind of moments in his earlier life and what have you and he walked in and and not long after he just got all the people in the office together and said you want the dog to be happy and free and yet you're the ones pinning it to that story that it's had a tough time and it's it's you know and, and it's this and and it's only this and it's doing its best but it's a poor little thing and all this he said so when you let that go the dog can let it go. And sure enough, they just started to be different towards it. And, and it just completely changed its way. And you're sort of thinking, but so every time you pin something on someone else, you're kind of saying, but I want you to be free, but I'm doing the opposite. I'm pinning you down. I'm trying to say, I want you to be you and, and just enjoy life. But I'm saying there's a huge condition on this is that, but you have to stay as who I know so I can remain as who I know. But another way of looking at it is that if I want you to be free, I've got to do the same thing. And I, I did hear someone else say this. It's quite interesting. He's saying that someone was saying to him, oh, well, I can't find a relationship and what have you and what have you. And, and he said, uh, he said, well, I haven't got much time to answer this. And he said, whatever mood I was in, it, he just said, well, would you go out with you? And he's like, <laughs> it's kind of like the, th the thing. He, he didn't mean it like looking at the person saying, but his point was, was that that self-honesty to say, what am I looking for? And he's the other way he then said it straight afterwards was to write down a list of all the things that you would love in a partner and then be it yourself. And I'm like, oh, there's no escaping that, is there? You there's can't no sit that. there. You, you can't sit there and go, <laughs> would you please change so I can stay the same? Because I, I don't like this relationship of me plus you. But when you change, it'll fit well for me. But it's like, well, if you change, all bets are off. You know, if you yourself are willing to explore that freedom everything always comes to the right relationship. Yeah. Beautifully put, Johnny. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying the car garage. <laughs> yes. Oh. Health is about so much more than just trying to keep fit. That's why I've developed my number one living drinks to be sugar-free, vegan, and naturally sourced, so you can feel great inside and out. My range of kombucha drinks are full of bacterial life cultures designed for a happy and healthy gut. Choose from refreshing raspberry, passion fruit, or our award-winning ginger and turmeric kombuchas. The number one living range is available in Holland and Barrett stores and online at hollandandbarrett.com. Grab yours today. 
You know what? I would really love to share more about the things that you're doing. Johnny has some really interesting products as well. The number one living range of kombuchas and water kefir and health shots available in Holland and Barrett. Would you be able to share a little bit with our listeners about why you did this and what it's all about? Yeah, definitely. I think I can't really describe what what my calling is or what, what I feel my role is, but I feel this is what excites me. It's my, my passion. And as I've gone about this journey, one thing that's really changed has been the way that I look at the body. And it's really interesting how that it's, it's an unavoidable fact. You, you, as soon as you start to have a different, I guess, perception of it from an existential way, the body becomes such a magnificent thing. And when I was playing rugby, it was just a vehicle for getting me from A to B. And I'll get angry with it. I'll get angry when it got injured. I'll get angry when it didn't look the way I want it to look like. I would get, I would feel inferior about it if it didn't look this, better than or same as other people's, yeah, bodies in terms of like around sporting people. There's this big macho side about it sometimes in the, in the male world of rugby that I was involved in. My health understanding was actually totally dominated by the idea of fitness. So I was just about what I could do with my body, like we said before, achievements. You know, what does it look like? How does it refer to others? What do they think of me? What can I do with it? And so on. This is going to be my worth. And of course, that end of search and end of, of exploration of the body just brings about a fatigue. It's not going anywhere. It's not regenerating. It's not allowing. So it's just stress, 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 whether it's physical stress in training, whether it's the mental stress of needing to achieve and the anxiety, just stress, stress, stress all the way through the body. So I I was around a lot of people who were very fit, not very healthy, and I was a classic example of that. And there was just no subtlety or nuance about the way I understood my body. Nothing. It was just so sort of rounded up. So it was just carbs, fat, protein, got to get this in, got to get that in, train. After you've trained, you better drink this. You know, stuff that, that, okay, has, has value on a macro level, but I was missing such a key part. And what I didn't realize is that nutrition in that way is is ridiculously powerful. You talk about the interaction of planet and intelligence with body. We're talking about ludicrous. People think that we're living in nature, but we are nature. And that we think our body is somehow, it just arrives and the, well, where does it arrive for? It's the soil. Our cells are regenerating and rebuilding out of just what we eat and what we take in. And that's coming from the soil. We're made of soil and food. That's it. And so the way your eyes work, the way you think, the way you, you move, your joints, the, the, the recovery, your, your just everything emotionally, your happiness, your, your, your feelings of excitement, all that stuff needs to be supported. And one of the things that I came across was that I realized that, you know, according to some of my research and, and, and what I understood that, that at least half of us is stuff that's not us. It's bacteria and fungi and viruses, all these things that we've had this story about. It's not, yeah, they're, they're nasty, they're against us, they're evil. So you wage war on them. And obviously there's been some huge things in medical science that have made massive differences with antibiotics to, you know, to allowing us to, to overcome certain conditions. And, and you know, it's, it's so powerful. But at the same time, we understand that over half of us is stuff that's not us. It's intelligence that belongs to a place that is working for us. But it's intelligence we can't even understand, but it needs to be nourished and fed and revered. And one of the things that does that is the, you know, is the microbiome and the, all the, the, the kind of inner workings of the, of the gut and all the, the bacteria. And one of those things, I, I just wanted to get involved in it because I was looking at, at, uh, at the products from an inner rugby change at the end of my career. And I was, geez, are we living on a spaceship? You know, it's like just foil <laughs> packaging. Yeah. You know, sachets and, and stuff that, and it, looking at everyone drink it with their eyes screwed up you know kind of going oh just getting through it you're thinking 
this is the same idea. I'm just going to suffer and sacrifice so I can get this. And even then looking at myself in hotels before games, eating food before a game within about three minutes and then getting back to my hotel room. So coming down, eating, get back to the hotel room, sitting there and anxiously panicking about the game or whatever. Just thinking there's a dissociation here between us and the planet and us and our health and understanding that health is a absolute limitless exploration. It doesn't end with feeling good or being in shape or out of shape or it, health is about all the things we've spoken about. That's health and well-being. It's everyone's right and everyone's opportunity to feel things that make your eyes water and to not know how, but nutrition and our body as a vehicle for sensing and receiving these kind of things is ludicrously important. And to think that my body rebuilt out of all the food I've been eating over the last seven or whatever years or more, 10 years, I think, well, what have I been eating? And I'm like, well, that's me now. So it makes sense of how I eat, what I eat, how I nourish and revere my body and how I respect what it is, the immense intelligence to feed it in such a way so that the living drinks, the fermented foods, bringing in the bacteria, nourishing that that microbiome or the microbiota and, and allowing the body to just do what it does. And, and who knows what it does, but we know that that's part of us. And when, when there's less there, we seem to know when there's less there and when it's it has an effect and it's the forgotten sort of part of it that certainly I had no idea about. And now I'm kind of thinking, geez, you know, this might be my way of saying, and I did hear someone say this recently in a chat I have with someone, they said, you know, from the medical profession said, it's like rewilding yourself yeah. by feeding this. And it, the incredible thing was, again, that also mentioned was the fact that what they found was that people sharing houses had closer levels of the bacteria and, and the microbiome than family members. So essentially who you spend a lot of time in contact with, you're sharing your microbiome. So I was yeah. back to this idea about saying, well, geez, if I eat well and I nourish myself and I really bring myself to that state and then I go out into the world and meet people, I'm like, again, I'm, I'm doing work that I feel is for good. You know, I'm sort of just, I'm like, I'm, that's the point. I want to, I want to feel joyful. I want to feel healthy and I want to go out there and just enjoy my life. And it feels, it seems as though by doing that, you can have way more of an effect than you think. So we wanted to bring those kind of products to an accessible or make them accessible in a sort of taste profile and a price point that made it and, and stocking points that made it possible for people to get out there and, and not have to, as I did with my wife for, for ages, which we actually loved doing was brewing kombucha at home. We, you know, kefir yogurt, we're doing sourdough bread. We do we, all of this because you just love the involvement, but you can understand when people are, I look at some people's lives compared to mine and I'm like, geez, you know, you do an amazing job. So here it is to, you know, just to, to make something easier for you, I guess, but, but to bring about a just, you know, so that the body can, can be all it can be, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, that's such a poetic way of putting it. And I was really resonating with everything you were saying about how our bodies are connected to the planet and how the planet is connected to everything and how, you know, our deepest knowing about our body is what we should be listening to. And the fact that there's this entire invisible organ within us that is doing all this work for us in, in a very thankless and just incredible way. Let's support it. Agreed. You, you mentioned about the society view and the existential is that so much of our diet and nutrition is society based that exploration that experimentation free of of need for views and opinions and for people to know about it but actually just to eat something and really take notice of what it's doing for you it's really difficult because 
even when you're eating, you're so concerned about it. You forget what you've just eaten because I'm so concerned about what's going on around me and I'm so concerned about what I need to do next and everything. But you're listening to your gut as it is, isn't something you do with your ears. It, although you can, it's, it's something that, <laughs> yeah, you can, <laughs> on certain days, but, but there's, but there's, it's something that happens when essentially you, you take your attention away from the society based stuff and all your mind listening to your gut with that awareness just takes place by itself. But I think people try and sit there and listen for what's happening, but it just means being able to, like I said, let go of, of all these things, which, which are driving you towards your limits and, and then listening takes care of itself. And suddenly nothing is more important than health. Absolutely nothing is more important than health. Yeah. And that's the thing I think that many people have said is that you have all these dreams and ideas, but then suddenly when your body's not working and you can't do the things you want, then nothing else matters anymore. No. So, And, and health yeah. is, is responsible for so much more than we can possibly know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And health is bottomless in terms of it's, 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 it's a bottomless hole. You, you'll never get to the end of it and go, right, I've achieved health. Just the same way you don't say I've achieved life or I've achieved success. You're like, nah, the point is, is like health is our potential. There is no end to it. The question is just how far are you willing you know, to explore it and listen to it? And that kind of that question also means how much of your compulsions are you willing to sort of transcend in order to find what you're, you're really here for? Yeah, beautifully put. So um, leading on from our conversation about number one living and the incredible products that you have created and put out into this world, do you have any other favourite products that you use from Holland and Barrett? I do love the devotion to health and well-being on a more, as we were saying before, subtle and detailed level. Yeah. And I love that somewhere you can go to find that. The the vitamin mineral side of it is is a huge part for me, especially kind of when I was younger. I'm sure God knows what I was missing in my diet, but you know, I pretty, I pretty much ate the same thing over and over again, and uh, and was putting my body through all kinds of stress. So things like that are really really important. I used to go there for even things like protein as a sports, so and looking for alternative opportunities where it didn't have to be so the way it was. But but right now with the living side of things, you know, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to talk about the brand, the number one living brand, because we kind of do a few different things with kefir and with um, with kombucha as well, both giving a different range of, of bacteria. But we also, also do health shots as well, you mentioned, which for me are awesome in the morning because they, they're vitamins that are quite difficult to, to get hold of for gut and immune and also for, for the mind as well. We do a brain-based one as well. And we source the, the vitamins from really natural occurring places like seaweed, uh, and algae and things like this rather than the, the sort of more processed side. So when I wake up in the morning, it's my first go to just sort of makes me feel like I'm off to a decent start. So I stock up on those. And, uh, yeah, I kind of think that those kind of things are for me, even when I have a bit more time and I'm just kind of brewing things at home, you're kind of like, there's a level where it's just nice to have it all in one small bottle <laughs> and you can just do it and have that kind of, all right, done, job done. And, and, but remember to, as I, need to just to at least take a moment to relax whilst you're doing it we had a guest on who was talking about just what goes into any product i know what goes into ours in terms of effort and energy but in any product there's people's livelihoods and lives and effort and energy going to these things and you know it's like all there in a bottle so much interaction so many people so many conditions so much life and especially in, in what we're talking about so i try and take that on board and and get off to a good start 
Yeah, thanks, Johnny. I think it's it's important to recognise how much work goes into these things and all the products that people have made uh, that end up on the shelves of Holland and Barrett. You know, so much passion goes into each Jesus. and every one. And and also, it, like you're mentioning as well, with with that is that in some ways there's a big shift towards this area. In some ways, yeah, there's there's not. You can't say it's better or worse or or good or bad or whatever. But there's a lot of these products are, are done sometimes ahead of the curve where there's no guarantee. You know, you're not. There's certain other things you could do if you said, "Oh, we want to do things which says, you know, we, we've got the guaranteed demand for." But you know, this is people with their passions and their absolute ambitions and aspirations. I think often, like like myself, hopefully with the aim of bringing that idea of health to more people and, and just saying, look, I don't know what your potential is or what your health can be, but I feel like this can really support it. And if it makes just this little bit of difference and it's worth doing, I think there's a lot of people out there, you know, in, in shops like, like Holland and Barrett who are, are on the same journey and they're, 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 they're doing a good job. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Johnny. Drawing things to a close, let's finish off with some final words of wisdom. If, if we may, <laughs> right. um, I, have been reflecting on the usual question. This is the wellness edit. And uh, I normally will ask my guests about their wellness routines and the things that they do to stay well. And I usually finish off with, you know, sort of one top tip, if you like, uh, for wellness. I feel as though you're such an expansive speaker, it's quite hard to even pinpoint one thing because there are so many different aspects that I'm sure you can share. But if you, in the now, have an idea about something else that you want to share with our listeners about the things you do every every day or one thing you think they should do every day or at least could consider doing to get closer to their true selves, what do you think that might be? One of the ones that I find is just so powerful on its own is quiet and that sense of, you know, just allowing yourself to, to have that quiet reflection of non-analysis. So when a thought comes up, you recognize, but most people I think think recognize means analyze. <laughs> analyze uses the mind on the mind. Recognize is an awareness thing that goes beyond the mind. But sitting can be difficult sometimes. One thing I found that's really, really powerful is walk. Ideally, if it can be around some sort of greenery and, and to get back to that earthy soil thing, but if not, just just anywhere. But to walk with the loosest so with a chest and a heart that comes forward and leads. So lead with your heart rather than let your head sink in front of your chest. Let your heart lead and relax your arms and legs to the extent that they've never been so relaxed. So they move on their own and walk slow. Walk slower than you could ever so that you get stares from people who are wondering what's going on. You're walking that slow and just see what conditions that sets for you, for your mind. So as you move into that non-protective, exploratory feel good posture the mind will try and tense it up to bring your awareness back to just heart forward feel the floor under your feet and relax the the heck out of your limbs and just go where the walk takes you if it's two minutes if it's three minutes if it's 10 minutes if it's an hour obviously keep it in a safe place uh, whatever that needs to be somewhere safe that you can go walking with with people as well but that silence and just in that space brings about an evidential side to that idea that conditions that you can create a certain energy you can create will then shift the way we see things the way we feel about them the way we think about them and what we do it's that possible and i think it's a good evidence that allows you to think geez this is worth buying into then rather than try and solve it through the tension and running around the house trying to do this just take five minutes and say right i'm doing it and just see what that does thank you 
That's beautiful. As Carl Jung said, he who looks outside dreams, he who looks inside awakens. When you're walking, you're looking outside and within. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, it, 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 there's something about it that, that it's a channeler. And I find it with my wife, I find it with with other people. When you sort of go for a walk and you just, you, if you're walking beside them, you can set the pace. Because if you start slowing down and they walk ahead, they'll slow down and they'll sort of come to you. And as you do and you relax and you do your bit for the energy, listen to the conversation that comes up. Mm. People start talking about stuff that is no longer about this and this and this. It's like you'll find if you stay with it long enough, just look at the inspired conversation look at the exchange the honest exchange the deeper exchange and, it, and it's just a nice message to change that sense of okay yeah for me maybe it's about relaxing into my life rather than fighting for it it's about uh, fighting for your life you know it, it, there are very few times nowadays for us thankfully compared to how it used to be that we live in the space where we and when we don't have to do that let's relax you know, massively into into it and and, and sort of allow for something beautiful to, to to reveal itself. Thank you. I believe something beautiful revealed itself today. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it's a really good chat. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know that our listeners will really enjoy everything that you've had to say. Ah, brilliant. Now, my pleasure. And thanks for, for the hosting. It's my pleasure. <laughs> wow. I don't even know quite how to summarise that conversation with Johnny. I feel as though I've been on an existential journey through time, space and reality. <laughs> I'm back with you all, our lovely listeners, in a better place than I was before. I hope that you feel the same. Uh, we covered so much in that conversation. Johnny's been through the extremes of life. He has achieved extreme success and he's also experienced extreme lows. And I think so much of the wisdom he shared in that conversation was really around the idea of letting go of things that no longer serve us, whether that be our identities, our labels, our stories, and understanding that if we are able to embrace the now with curiosity, we can have the power to change how we feel about the past, change how we feel about the future, and live with far more contentment in the now. So I really appreciate the wisdom that Johnny shared. I know that you will too. Please do make sure you let him know how much you enjoyed the conversation get in touch with johnny on his socials and of course you can leave a rating or a review for this podcast on apple podcasts it's much appreciated and i know that it will help more people to hear fantastic conversations like this one in the future and i look forward to joining you again next time when we share another great conversation on the wellness edit with holland and barrett all views are those of our guests and not Holland and Barrett, unless explicitly stated otherwise. Any reference to brands and or products should not be considered as an endorsement.